to look, I've just put the title to the power of the resurrection. Um, I'm sure that uh, being Bible-believing evangelical Christians, we would unquestionably see the crucifixion as the central point of world history and it's the most important event that has ever happened and up until the Lord Jesus returned, the Lord Jesus Christ will remain so. It is is what everything centres on. Um, It's in his death that the debt of my sin is paid, in his death that I'm reconciled to God, in his death that I'm freed from the guilt of sin, it's in his death that I'm pardoned, redeemed, restored and whatever other words we want to add to that uh, to describe Christ's self-substituting sacrificial death for us. So where then does the resurrection fit in? I said last Wednesday evening that uh, for those who were there may remember when I was young I remember distinctly going through a period where I really struggled over the resurrection. The reason being that I didn't want in any way to diminish the crucifixion and it seemed to me almost as if I had to sort of uh, put my focus on one or the other you know I could see the wonder of the cross, I could see everything that the Lord Jesus Christ had done for me in the cross and that meant the world to me. And so against that, how did I view the resurrection? And I really struggled over that for for some time. Not least because in the preaching in scripture the resurrection so often takes such a central part. Uh, Those verses that we read from Acts 4 this morning, you may notice as they were being read, um, that it specifically mentions that Jesus was preaching the resurrection of the dead and that um, Peter and John were preaching the resurrection of the dead and then when they were brought before the Sanhedrin um, they actually make the point of Jesus rose again that God brought him back to life you go to Paul at Mars Hill and, and it's all about the resurrection and you think so why this focus on the resurrection how important is it how do we fit it in with what the Bible teaches us about the crucifixion and I think the big mistake that I was making right back then and I try to avoid now is to separate the two things to somehow see the crucifixion of Jesus as one isolated event and to see the resurrection as a second isolated event as though there's theology in one and there's totally separate unrelated theology in the other and of course there isn't the two are intimately linked the crucifixion without the resurrection would be meaningless the resurrection without the crucifixion couldn't happen. They, they are wonderfully bound together. But nevertheless, the resurrection is very, very important. And I just want us to just touch on that for a few minutes tonight. I want us to start, if you've got your Bibles there, in Romans chapter 4. I'm going to do what I don't normally do, which is to move to, in fact, three different places in Scripture um, and just look at one point in each place. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 reads like this speaking of Jesus Christ he was delivered over to sin for, over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification surely one of the most precious doctrines in the Christian faith is justification do you know another doctrine like it that God makes a legal declaration that God in an instant the moment you come to Christ, repent your sin, turn away from your sin, seek God's forgiveness for it and turn to Christ and ask God to forgive you and cover your sin by the death of Christ. The instant you do that, God makes a legal declaration. As of that moment, he views you as if the debt of your sin has been put on Christ and the righteousness of Christ has been given to you. 
He makes that declaration right there in that instant that never again will I look at you as a sinner. Never again will I look at you as one who is under my curse. Never again will I see you anything less than in the beauty of Jesus. Nothing's changed in us in that moment. It's not because of how we've changed. It's not because of how we've lived after our conversion or anything else. God just makes that declaration. I consider you righteous because of what Jesus Christ did there on the cross. That's justification. No longer seen in my sin, but seen in the beauty of Christ. It's a transaction. It's an exchange that's taken place. Is there there a sweeter doctrine than that? Is there anything in Scripture more precious to the Christian than that doctrine? Now, it unquestionably happens when we put our faith in the fact that Jesus died for our sin. That's what secures our justification. He paid for our debt in his death. God the Father unleashed on him his wrath against your sin and mine if you're a Christian. But Paul says here very clearly, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And of course, he's right, isn't he? Why is he right in saying that? Because what the resurrection does for us, it guarantees that we've been justified. It is a declaration. As Jesus rises again from the dead, he is declaring, I've done it! I've successfully paid the debt for sin. Let me ask you a question if you're a Christian here tonight. How do you know you've been saved? How do you know you've been saved? You say, well, I'm trusting in the blood of Christ. And scripture says, if I trust in the blood of Christ, I will be saved. Yes, I know. But how do you know it's worked? How do you know that Jesus' death actually did successfully pay for your sin? How do you know that you still aren't going to have to pay for it when you meet God? How do you know that there's no condemnation now for you? How do you know that Jesus' life was actually perfect enough? How do you know that his death actually was a perfect sacrifice for your sin? You say, well, he cried, it is finished. Yes, he did, but that was before he died. Suppose when he actually died, it turned out that it wasn't. How do you know? And the answer, of course, is he rose again. The third day, he rose again. That is the proof that it worked. That is the proof that it was sufficient. That is the proof that it really did pay for our sin. Gloriously, he rose again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the proof that his death really did achieve your salvation if you're a Christian. My friend, you can believe in the merit of Muhammad, you can believe in the merit of a saint, you can believe in the merit of Buddha, you can believe in the merit of whoever you like as having paid for your sin. But you can have no assurance at all that that has actually paid for it. It hasn't. Because none of those rose again from the dead. Death defeated them. But Jesus Christ defeated death. He rose again. And in so doing proved that he had secured justification for our sin. So we can sing death is crushed to death, life is mine to live with all the assurance that there is because Jesus Christ rose again.
Christ's resurrection guarantees our justification. The second thing I want us to see here is that it guarantees our regeneration. Turn over to 1 Peter, if you've got your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1. Just see there, 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 5. This is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance uh, that can never perish, spoil or fade kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. See that verse 3? He has given us new birth. My friend, if you're a Christian, you've already received it. You have got new birth. It's not something future. It's nothing to be anticipated. It's something to be enjoyed and lived right now. Where does it come from? Answer, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was alive, he died in his human body, not as God, in his humanity, his second nature, he died. He came back to life again and in that resurrection life is our life. Ephesians 2, 5-6, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ. As Christ came back to life, as Christ took on this new life, so that life becomes available to us who are his. Christ's new life secured new life for us. Now clearly at the present time that new life is in our old bodies and it's there with our old nature and there's a battle going on there. We're not yet what we will one day be but we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. My friend, if you're a Christian tonight... You have got the resurrection life of Christ living in you. Isn't that amazing? That the life of Christ risen from the dead is yours now in this lifetime. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What's the difference between me, Dave, before I was saved, trying to live a good life and me, Dave, a Christian, trying to live a good life? What's the difference? The difference is the resurrection power of Christ at work in me now. I'm no longer doing it in my strength. I'm no longer doing it as a fallen human being. I'm doing it in the resurrection power of Christ. Indwelt by his spirit. That is all the difference in the world. That is the power that moves a, a frightened bunch of men from hiding in a room out to preaching the gospel, giving their lives for it. The resurrection power of Jesus at work in them. And thirdly and finally, just turn back to those verses that Steve read to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this chapter here. Paul paints, it would seem he's almost painting himself into a corner, isn't it? 
you know, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then this and this and this and this. We're, we're liars. Our preaching is useless. We've got no hope. There's no future for us. And, it, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And he paints himself right down and then he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Just go down to verse 20 though, will you? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Christ's resurrection guarantees our future resurrection. We've been justified. Praise the Lord for that. We've got Christ's resurrection life at work within us. Praise the Lord for that. But is it just going to end when we die? Is it just that we're saved to live a good life here on earth? No, of course it's not. When we die, we we go to be with the Lord. We go to enjoy all of heaven, all of the riches of glory. How do we know that's going to happen? Because Christ has already raised to life. And, And in his resurrection, we have a picture of what our resurrection will be. In, in, in his resurrection we see the reality of resurrection life that will one day be ours. Christ is the first fruits, then when he comes those who belong to him. The concept of first fruits is a very simple one, isn't it? I'm not uh, an agricultural person. <coughs> My friend at the back is and he'll uh, put me right if I go wrong, I know. The idea of the first fruits is so simple, isn't it? When the first fruit starts to appear, the farmer, and even more so in those days when they couldn't do chemical tests and they couldn't take soil samples or anything else, when you saw the first of the fruit appear, what did you do? You go out and you examined it. And by looking at that first fruit, you knew what the rest of your harvest was going to be like. Is it going to be a good harvest or a bad one? Is the fruit going to be healthy or is it diseased? You you looked with care at the first of those things that appeared and if they were good, you knew the rest was going to be good. You said, praise the Lord, it's going to be a good harvest this year. And Christ says, that's how it is when you look at my resurrection. When you see the wonder of that, when you see the reality of that, when you see the beauty of that, that shows what your resurrection will be like. Because he is the first fruits of all who will rise. My friend, are you a Christian tonight? Have you come to that point of repentance and faith in Christ? Have you come to that point of realising how precious the cross of Christ is? That he went there to die for sinners. Sinners like me. Sinners like you. Sinners who maybe have tried to live the best life they can and done all that they can to help others and be a blessing to others. But sinners nonetheless, not perfect beings, those who in their thoughts have thought wrong, those sometimes in their words have spoken wrong, certainly those who have not loved the Lord their God with all their heart, mind and soul from the moment of their birth. My friend, have you recognised that that's how God sees you? And that in your sin you cannot come before a holy God? You're separated by an insurmountable gulf caused by your sin and do you realise that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to bridge that gulf, to step across it to use his body to 
bridge that gulf. He went to that cross to die there, to, to experience in his body what otherwise you and I would have to experience of the wrath of a holy God poured out in anger against sin. And he endured that. Not because he needed to. At any moment he could have said, enough, I'm out of here. But he chose to hang there. He chose to drink that cup to the very dregs in order that those who trust in him might be forgiven. In order that those who recognise that before a holy God their sin has got to be dealt with and recognise they cannot do anything about it but simply come pleading his mercy and his grace and asking his forgiveness for Christ's sake in order that they might be forgiven. In order that they might be justified that God might say I'm taking the whole sum totality of the debt of your sin and dealing with that in Christ. And I take the sum totality of all of Christ's beauty, of his righteousness, of his holiness, of his purity, and I'm clothing you in that. So that this wonderful transformation takes place so that we're justified. My friend, have you done that? Not trying to hold back part of your life, but saying, Lord, in response to that, I just give you everything. Take it and use it. Have you done that? Then if you have, do you appreciate what the resurrection means for you? That's the proof that you've got, that that worked. That's the proof you've got tomorrow when Satan comes to you and tries to make you doubt. Are you really saved? Have you really got a place in heaven? Do you think God really forgave all of your sin? Do you think Jesus' death really dealt with it and there's nothing that you've got to do? What's your answer? Christ rose again. Christ rose again. He couldn't have risen again if he hadn't paid for it. He couldn't have risen again if he hadn't defeated death. He couldn't have risen again if he'd lied to me and he cheated and he wasn't who he claimed to be. He could only rise again if he was the true, righteous, holy Lamb of God who had laid down his life as a substitute for sinners, as a payment for the debt of their sin and had satisfied the holy anger of a righteous God. Only then could he have risen again. That's your assurance. That's your confidence. But it's also your power to live. God hasn't died to save you now so that you sort of mudline in there and do the best you can and fumble around until you die and then suddenly it all goes wonderful when you get to heaven. That's not God's purpose. Christ died to save you and he died to empower you to live until the day you see Jesus and then to take you to be with him. And his resurrection power is there for you to use. And my friend, if we're not using it, that's our fault, not his. He gives us all that we need to live a holy, godly life as we seek to share the word of God with others, as we seek to share the wonder of this message with them. And my friends, this is the picture of what's going to be yours when you die and you leave this earth or when the Lord Jesus Christ returns whichever will be first even as Christ rose again something wonderful happened there and it's beyond my capacity to understand it they recognised him but they didn't recognise him he was the same but he was different He, he, he was the same Jesus but he was a totally different Jesus 
their eyes were covered, their eyes were open, and he was glorified. He was the other side of the grave. He triumphed over death. He was now living that resurrection life. He was as we will be. And he was fit in that state as he had been all his life because he was the pure holy one to ascend and go into the presence of God the Father as we will be. What does Easter mean to you? Jesus rose again. Oh my friends, I hope your heart rejoices in that. The sinless Son of God who gave his life a ransom for many rose again. We've got no tomb to go and visit, have we? No marker to show that's where our great leader lies. No monument built where we troop off every year to... He's in glory! Where he ever lives to intercede for his people. And one day he's coming again and every eye will see him and every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's alive. Do you know him? Do you love him? Are you walking with him day by day in that resurrection life? We're going to sing uh, two 